Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and today I'm doing a solo podcast. So this podcast is going to be raw. It's going to be imperfect. It's definitely going to have me tripping over myself a little bit, but I really felt like I needed to address the current events. So I've pushed off some of the topics that we had planned on releasing over the next couple weeks, and I wanted to do a podcast that just shares with you my thoughts and feelings, my experience in this really incredible realm of, you know, talking about George Floyd, talking about racism, talking about privilege. Um, There's so much unrest in the world right now with this topic, and it is warranted and justified. And I feel like we all have a place in having a conversation around it. So as I said, I'm going to mess this up. I'm probably going to fail terribly. I am a baby in my journey and learning about my own privilege. I have, you know, definitely woken up you know, exponentially over the last year or two. Um, But I have lived in white privilege for a really, really long time. So I know this topic can be heavy. I know this topic isn't necessarily a business one, but it affects us all. And I think it's important to use our voice. So what I really want to share with you all is my experience with this. So I am no expert in privilege, racism, you know, racial bias. I am I am no expert by any means, not even close. And I am not one to go about and be huge vocally in this matter, uh, partly because I am just a baby learning myself. So that doesn't mean that it, we can't speak out. It doesn't mean that we can't be imperfect in that processing. So really what I want to share with you all a little bit is my journey toward, you know, just becoming more aware of my privilege over the years, what that's looked like for me, um, you know, what ways I see that we can really you know, shift and change the system and it has to be all of us. So just to kind of frame this episode for anyone listening to my podcast right now, that as a woman of color, um, you know, I see you, I hear you, I'm listening. This podcast and the topics are really for white women. And the reason why is because women of color already know all these things that I'm going to talk about. They already understand what we can be doing. They already experience all of these things. You know, it's really those of us who are just waking up to our part that we are playing in the systemic issues of racism that we need to be um, having a conversation around. We need to be more awake around. We need to talk about it even in our imperfection. And I think that's one of the big things is so many of us are afraid to speak out. You know, we're so afraid to talk talk about it. We're so afraid we're going to trip over someone or we're going to, you know, accidentally say the wrong thing. And, you know, I have been guilty of this in so many ways. And yet we can't stop. You know, we can't be silent. We can't uh, worry about how we're looked at or how we're judged. So I'm feeling a lot of emotion this week. um, And I did take a few days as I do to process some of my emotion, to, to see where I sit with everything, to really feel how I can genuinely come to the table. And so I, I'm really going to open a door for you. 
But you have to walk through that door. And I am by no means the the best door opener. There are so many leaders who can open a much bigger door for you. And so at the end of my show notes, um, you know, on my website, womeninthebusinessarena.com, I will include um, a list of resources that will open a much bigger door than I can open. So I'm going to open up a little crack. And it's really just the crack that I've opened up inside myself. So, you know, I guess to start with my history, I grew up in a, in a home where my mom really taught me not to see color. And I thought that was, you know, anti-racism. I thought that was um, supporting all people. And so, you know, she taught us to love everyone, that everyone is equal. You know, she grew up in the deep South. Um, you know, she had, you know, she sort of grew up in the time of the help, if you've seen that movie. And, you know, she loved all her um, black servants and her black, you know, helpers and her nannies. And, you know, and so she really taught us to love everyone. And her intention was really good in terms of, you know, for a privileged white woman, you know, she she really taught us to to love everybody, to see everyone as equal, to help everyone out. And so, you know, in that way, we weren't racist. But in so many ways, not seeing someone's color is what perpetuated the privilege. And so, you know, it wasn't even really, I guess, well, I guess you could say I was always a really good white liberal, right? So I was, you know, one of those people that was politically, you know, um, on the liberal side, supporting all people, raising everyone up, wanting equality. But it was from that good white liberal standpoint. It wasn't from making real change. It wasn't even in seeing the systemic issues that we had in the world. I mean, I was so blind to the things that were going on. And just to share a few of my experiences, I mean, my first really experience that, you know, the black culture even was different was I had a friend in eighth grade who was black and, um, she would take me to her house and she would take me into her community. And, and it was the first time I was even awake to that. There was like a whole culture, a whole systemic difference, right? Up to that point, I thought everybody lived like white people. You know, I, I really did not have the awareness of, you know, the differences. I didn't understand, right? I'd been taught that everyone was equal. Everyone was the same. I didn't have any reference points. And I remember her taking me to her church and I was literally the only white person in this black church. And it was amazing, right? Like I was first awakened to, wow, this must be how someone of color feels walking into an entirely white area. But it was very different. Every single person welcomed me. Everybody was loving. Everybody was joyful. Everybody was dancing and singing. It was like, for me, it was a beautiful experience, like going to Disneyland, right? I still had no awakening to the real difference. And it still was a white person in that church, not a black person in a white church, right? It is such a different viewpoint. And I still went home to my white privileged neighborhood, my white privileged home. Like I really, you know, didn't understand the differences, but that was the first time I recognized there was a difference, right? I didn't understand the systemic differences. I didn't understand, you know, the racist um, things around me. I was in year eight. I was just totally clueless to all of that. But it was the first time I at least knew there was just something different. And, you know, I grew up in in places where I relied on my privilege, right? I was, I was telling my husband earlier today that when I was a teenager, 
I would sneak out of the house a lot in the middle of the night. I was not a very good teenager. And I would, um, you know, run around the neighborhood, go meet friends, you know, do all kinds of things sort of in the middle of the night. And this was like between the age of 14 and 17. And sometimes we would have curfews in our neighborhood um, where we couldn't be out past 10 as an example. And so three times I got picked up by the cops. And three times they brought me home to my mother. And, you know, I think about those instances, right? And this is where you can really see the privilege. All three times, I was never scared of the police officers. I was never scared of the cops. They never mistreated me. They never handcuffed me. You know, they literally just put me in their car and took me home. They were even laughing with my mom. Like, that's privilege. I never had to worry about being out in the middle of the night against a curfew that I would be arrested or that I would be taken, you know, that I would be abused or killed or shot. Like none of that was in my awareness because I had privilege. And so I could just get by with things, right? I could just um, get whatever I wanted accomplished. I could rely on that privilege. And that's what so many of us are unaware of is, you know, it's not that necessarily we go out and we're racist, but we are contributing to a system that is racist. And we are contributing to a system that is unequal in its treatment of people. And so, you know, I think about all of these things and then, you know, I have also had hardship, and I think this is also what happens when a lot of, um, you know, white people go through and say, well, I've had hardship, I've been in poverty, you know, I, I have had poverty moments in my life, I've had times where I didn't know how I was going to feed my kid, or I had times when, you know, my mom didn't know how she was going to feed us, and I think back to those times, and they were really hard, and, and we my mom and I in those times chose not to rely on someone, but what I realized is that we had people we could rely on, right? So, you know, and this is the kind of systemic issues we don't think about. As a white person, I could just look out in my family. My family, for hundreds of years, has built wealth. They have built on their privilege, right, from the South to the North, because I have family on both sides. And so, you know, if I was really in trouble, right, it's one thing not to, you know, kind of live paycheck to paycheck, which I've done in my life. It's another thing to be out on the street, to not literally have any access to money. I mean, I could call my aunts or my uncles or my grandparents, like so much of my family is sitting in wealth, right? Or at least sitting in comfort. And so I think about like, that's the difference between the white privilege that we've lived in and the people in black communities or in Latina communities, you know, is that they have sort of generations of poverty and generations of systemic racism. And so, you know, they haven't built wealth for generations. When somebody, something happens to someone, when they go to jail or when they, um, you know, when they struggle or when they lose their job, like in the coronavirus, they don't have access to the same level of funds we do. We literally use our privilege every single day. We can walk into a store and nobody is suspicious of us. We can, you know, run in the middle of the night and no cop is going to stop us and shoot us or, you know, pin us to the ground. And, and I think about the mothers as well, right? Like, you know, I have definitely, on the sexism side, I have definitely had to teach my daughters how to protect themselves from rape, right? Because as a woman, it's something you have to be aware of. You can't go out on the streets late at night. You can't, you know, um, be by yourself in dark, in crazy places. Like, so I have to teach my girls that. But 
you know, women who have children of, of color, especially black boys, they have to teach their boys how to surrender if they're driving their car and get pulled over, how not to get shot and killed. And even that might not be enough. And I think we, we don't realize how much we have to look at the system that we've relied on to really see how we've taken part in it, right? And that's just it. The, the My own journey has been a lot about waking up to how I have contributed. Maybe not consciously, but unconsciously is just as bad. And so I've relied on this system. It's worked for me. It's gotten me through hard times. It's allowed me to survive. It's gotten me to where I am today. And I think that's the piece we don't recognize or we're not always willing to own. And so, you know, that's just a big point. I just want to share with you some of the ways I've tied this to my life, right? I've tied this to my experiences and the ways that I was lifted up at a time that a black woman might have been, you know, dragged down or a black man might have been dragged down. And this is where we have to be more honest about, you know, the ways that we have relied on that privilege and we continue to rely on it. I live in a safe neighborhood. You know, I have a a safe home. I'm taking care of my kids. You know, there's there are so many people in different positions, and we need to have that compassion, that understanding for where people are at, and we need to work systemically to change things. And I I was recently really, um, you know, I'm I'm reading a lot. I'm following a lot because I want to be listening, right? Because I, as I said, I'm a I'm a baby at this. I am. Uh, so inexperienced in this realm. And I feel like there are just so many more people who have better understanding, better words, better perspective that can help me to continue to awaken and open up. And, you know, I was reading, I was reading something Brene Brown posted and she talked about how the system isn't broken. Like it, it was meant to be this way. We created this system centuries ago to raise white people, to protect white people, to perpetuate white people's success, and to continue to, you know, work off the backs of black people um, and to continue to, you know, diminish them and dehumanize them. And it isn't until we recognize that the system isn't broken it was well designed that we can start to make change because we as the white people are the ones that have to break the system. We have to break the system. We can't ask the black people to break the system or, you know, Latinos to break the system. We have to break the system. We are the ones that created it. We're perpetuating it. We are relying on it. We are using it. And so if we don't break the system, the system will not get broken. And so I think this is that piece that we really have to wake up to is that in some ways we all are contributing to the system. And so it's not enough that we just, you know, be compassionate or kind or say prayers. I think we all have to take action in in different ways. So that brings me to the question of, so what do we do? Right. You know, I think a lot of people are feeling the pain and feeling the emotions and they're also struggling to feel what can they do. And again, as I'm just going to say, you know, over and over again, I am no expert. I will put resources to people who are experts. You know, there's people you can donate to that are making the change already, you know, actively in the communities. But I do feel I have a perspective on some things you can at least look at, right? You can at least explore in terms of what we can do to make change. So the first thing I really want to say is there is no one way. So I am, you know, in the coaching industry and I am seeing a lot of interesting 
posts in groups and business groups and coaching groups and um, on social media. And there is this balance and, and I could even feel my measured response as I'm talking like, okay, how do I find the balance and be, you know, politically correct? So I'm not going to be politically correct. Let me, let me, let me frame it. So you have a lot of people who are very angry and feel like everybody needs to be speaking up. And I agree. We cannot sit in silence. Silence is not the right action. And I think there's a lot of people that are being pressured to speak who might not be ready. I also feel that there are a lot of people, and we're talking about white people, who are coming out to speak around these topics who are not fully integrated themselves. They're doing it as a PR stunt or they're doing it to fall in line with everybody or they're doing it because they're afraid of judgment or they're doing it because they don't want to be attacked and called out. And you know, and that is happening. There are people that are very angry with justification and they are trying to call people out who are not using their platforms and using their voice to make change. And I fully understand that. I respect that. I hear that. And also, I think if you are trying to make change and it's not from a real and honest place, it's from a rushed place, it's from your own fear of being seen or not being seen. I think that that is not the way to come at this systemic change that we need to make. I think the first thing we really need to be doing is we need to be coming from a real and honest place. If if your actions are not from a real and honest place for yourself, they're pointless. They're not going to make change. And so, you know, I think that's the first thing we all have to step back and look at. Are we being real and honest in our responses? Or are we trying to just fit in? Or are we trying to make sure we're not called out? You know, are we basically hiding in one shape or or another? We can hide in silence, but we can also hide in speaking out. And so, you know, be sure that you're coming from the right place because whatever you're doing, whatever action you're taking, whatever conversations you're having, they need to be from a real and honest place. All right. So that being said, I feel like the first place that we really need to start in making change in this world and in this situation is we need to do the internal work first. Now, you all know I am a, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know I'm a proponent for doing internal work first. It has to come from the inside out. If it is just coming on the outside, we're not doing it for the right reasons. We're not motivated for the right reasons. And it's not going to be systemic change. We have to start inside ourselves. And so where we can start inside ourselves is by looking at where we are still perpetuating racism. And if you are white, you are doing that. I am doing that. For so long, I kept denying that I'm a racist, right? I kept denying, you know, that I did anything around racism because I cared for people and I didn't see color and yada, yada, yada. But I have allowed this system to perpetuate. I have used the system. I have not actively worked to break down the system. Therefore, that is my racism. And I think that we have got to wake up to really look at in which ways are we contributing to racism. And so that's very important. And we we have to look at where we've ignored it. So maybe it's not something we've actively done, but maybe we've just not actively done something, right? And that is the same, right? Omitting, um, ignoring, not doing anything is the same. And so I know that for some people, you might love my podcast and you might also be feeling triggered 
right now because this is a very intense topic. And I understand because I often can get defensive or triggered when someone is calling me out or when someone is calling white people out. It can be a natural response, but I really, really implore you to just stay open to the messages, to just listen, to just take it in and filter it in yourself, to just really contemplate and think about this whole topic. Because although it is triggering for all of us and it's heated and it's scary and it's crazy and we're all struggling, like we need change. We cannot continue to allow this injustice. We can't. And I can feel that with every fiber of my being. And so again, I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is the first step for us is to do the internal work. So in what ways are we contributing? In what ways are we ignoring? In what ways can we take more ownership, right? More truth-telling, more ownership in our lives of ways we've ignored it, of ways we haven't helped black women up, of ways we haven't helped Latina women up, in ways that we haven't really even seen the system, been part of, you know, it's like we're, we're just contributing to the thing that feeds us. We're in it for ourselves. Like in what ways have we been in it for ourselves? And so... You know, really, as we do that internal work and we start to wake up to it, and there will be a lot of resources in the notes that I have in the show notes in terms of books you can read, in terms of podcasts you can listen to. There's a lot of really powerful information, and there's people who've really done this work in such a deeper way than I have. So, you know, I'm I'm on that path. I'm working towards it. I have a long way to go. So like I said, I'm opening up a teeny tiny crack, but there is someone who can blow the door open for you. I also think that we have to stop, like part of the internal work that we have to do is around being triggered. So when we're triggered, our natural idea is to defend and attack, right? That's sort of like our natural habit. That's the ego. It wants to defend and attack. And especially like me for so many years, having a identity that I am a good, you know, white liberal, that I am a justice for everyone, that I care for all, that I'm equal, that I, that I don't see color. You know, for me, it took a long time to really, really see it, to really stop defending myself, to really stop being like, but I don't do that, but I'm not racist, but I don't do that. Like it took a long time. So it's okay if that's your response. But I think what we have to recognize is when we're triggered, that's when we go to our journal, right? Like you go to the mat, you go to the journal, you go to the internal work, you go to the contemplation. You don't go out there and defend yourself. You don't go out there and attack This is really, really important. And so I think if you're triggered, then the best thing that you can do as a white person is go in and figure out why you're triggered. Go in and do the work. Go in and look at your own privilege. Go in and start to do the deep work on racism that is inside of you. And if we can do that, then we can come out and respond to things in a much more neutral way, in a way that can um, lift people up, in a way that can change the system. But that is part of the internal work. So if you recognize that you've been triggered, and we all are, then that's awesome. Recognize it as a growth opportunity and go inside yourself and do the work. So the other thing, you know, after the internal work, which I think is the most important thing, we need to be deep listening, right? We need to be listening to those who have a voice that we can't possibly understand. Like, and and this is the hard part, right? It is hard to deeply listen, right, to things that people say that 
you know, we feel guilty about or we feel shameful around or, you know, we know we've contributed to and it's really hard to own. Like it's hard to hear some of that, but we need to deeply listen. We need to hear the voices of those out there who have been oppressed, who have been abused, who haven't had a voice. And so I think that that deep listening, which is really, really hard actually, is very important. We need to hear from other people's viewpoints because we do not have the reference points inside of ourselves. I can't possibly understand what a woman of color has been through. I can't possibly understand the challenges, the biases, the racism, the the systemic issues that she has faced because I haven't been there. And so I think that deep listening will start to allow us to really recognize and understand, have compassion, have awareness, have, you know, like honor in supporting them in supporting women of color to um, step up, to, to be able to lift them up, right? We have to lift them up. We have to open up the door. So I do feel that for those who are aligned with it, for those who do have a platform, I do think it's important to speak up. Um, and I'm doing that now um, after a few days of contemplation and doing some of my own internal work. Um, I think we have to show our openness to learn. I think we have to be humble. Like that humility that we need right now is really, really important. And I think that's where a lot of times we fall short is that we're not humble in these experiences. We're defensive. We're trying to be strong. This is a time for white women and men to be humble. Um, so yeah, so it's that openness to learn and it's about us taking a risk. I've seen that a lot in some of the postings and some of the leaders who I'm following in a really respect is that if we're not taking a risk as white people, we are not changing the system. You know, like so many of us are sitting in our comfort, are sitting in what feels right to us. And I know this is hard to hear, but it's important that we hear it. And we actually have to take a risk. And if we're not taking a risk, we're not really doing anything for change. So in addition to, you know, I've talked about doing the internal work. I've talked about, you know, deep listening. I also think it's really important that we use our white privilege to give women of color a space to speak, um, to open that door and really, really allow people to um, – have a voice, to have a space, to use our platforms. I think that that's really, really important as well. Um, let them have the spotlight, right? Give them the spotlight. And that's one of the things I really decided this week is I'm I'm turning off all my social media posts that would normally go out. And um, if I'm not talking about this current event, I'm just leaving the space for, you know, all of the people who have a voice and who need to be heard right now. And I just want to deep listen. So that's something that I'm going to support my social media as well. But on the other side of that, just to kind of like have that dark side as well on that, like I think it's important that we can give a platform, we can give a voice, we can open the door for other women to follow, um, women of color, black women, Latina women, um, Asian women, you know, different women of color. But I also think it's important that we don't ask them to do the work for us. And so this is a really, it's sort of one of those biases or one of those things we don't really see again in our privilege. So for instance, when I was thinking of doing a podcast episode, I, at first I felt really, um, you know, 
what do I have to say, right? Like, like who am I? I'm babying this journey. What do I have to say? Maybe I need to get someone, you know, get a black woman, get a woman of color to, to be, you know, interviewed so that they can have a voice. And I realized that if I do that, what I'm doing is asking them to do my work, right? I'm asking them to make it more comfortable for me. I'm, I'm choosing to speak out, but uh, I'm taking little risk and I'm asking someone to come forward and take more risk. And that really woke me up to this, this idea that, I mean, I need to do the work. And so not to say that I won't interview someone or bring someone on to talk more about this, but I think we've got to be careful that giving someone a voice isn't really like an ulterior motive for us being comfortable or for us um, not doing the work ourselves. So doing the work ourselves is the most important thing. So, you know, in all of this, we really have to be willing to take a risk um, of looking stupid, right? I mean, like, I feel it, right? I totally feel it. We have to be willing to get it wrong. We even have to be willing to get attacked and judged. You know, people might never listen to me again. I might lose followers, whatever. It doesn't matter. We have to be willing to take that risk um, to speak out about what's right and what's not right and to be able to to just start ex- to explore this conversation. These conversations need to be had in all forms. And so I think, you know, part of what we can do to make change is be willing to have the conversations and that's with our families right I mean a lot of us have families who are racist and so you know not to say well of course we all are but that are really actively doing things and so you know these are conversations we need to have in our families with our partners with our friends with our clients with the people in our lives in our communities and that's going to be scary and it's going to be we're going to screw it up like we're going to mess it up we're going to say the wrong thing someone's going to get mad at us one way or the other right and and that's the risk we just have to be willing to take and it's going to be good resilience. It's going to be good learning. I mean, we talk about taking risks on this podcast all the time. So this is maybe a little bit different than you thought about taking in terms of risk, but it's an important thing. So the other thing I was going to say that I think is just really important to kind of wrap this episode up is you really need to process your feelings. So, you know, we talk a lot about integration on this podcast, a lot about feeling your feelings, your grief, your sadness, your anger, whatever it is, and processing it, moving it through. One thing I think it's really important for white people to do when they're processing feelings around racism is to not get stuck in a shame cycle. So what I see often happen is that, you know, they'll start to wake up to some of the ways they've contributed and they get stuck in this shame cycle and they really just shame themselves and it goes downward and downward. The thing is a shame cycle does not really bring us to ownership. It doesn't, it doesn't help anybody, doesn't help them, doesn't help us, doesn't help anybody, doesn't help bring us to more awareness and definitely doesn't help with us owning anything. Sometimes that we think when we experience shame or when we make ourselves wrong, we're owning it. That's not real ownership. Ownership is being able to actually feel the truth of what we've done or what we contributed to, what we've ignored. And it's allowing ourselves to feel all those feelings and process those feelings. And then what happens is we're able to take very inspired action right? From a place of integration, from a place of embodiment, not from a place of reaction, not from a place of unintegrated feelings, because that's when we really take action that isn't real. And so I would encourage you that whatever you're processing, whatever you're feeling, let yourself feel it, 
let yourself fully feel it before you take action. You know, watch if you're if you're kind of fallen into a shame cycle and realize that it's just about owning how we've contributed and it's taking inspired action. So that's really how I wanted to sort of wrap up this very imperfect podcast episode. So, you know, I'm really just feeling the events of what's happening and going on. And I'm doing a lot of work internally in myself and a lot of processing myself. I wish you all the best. I'm, you know, really here for your support. If you need anything, you can always reach out to me. I appreciate all of you for listening. So I think we'll wrap it up here today. So thank you so much for joining us and I will see you next week.